This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by my Village of Greenhaven. What is the Village of Greenhaven? The Village of Greenhaven is the first entry in the Pop In Principles series. It is a complete forest town with shops, NPCs, events, random tables, and well, just a ton of stuff. You can pick it up right now on Drive Through RPG. The PDF is just $2.99, and the POD is eminently coming. We're talking within days. We're talking it could be there as you're listening to it right now. You've got to pick it up. We made it super affordable so that whether you're at the $2.99 price point or the POD price point of just $6.99, you can pop it into your campaign, and it's system agnostic. It doesn't matter what you're running. You'll get a great addition to your game world. People like it, and I'm astounded, but people love it, and I think you will love it too. So go to Drive Through RPG, search for Greenhaven, G-R-E-E-N-H-A-V-E-N, one word, and find the Village of Greenhaven. Pop it in at your table and enjoy. Now, on with the show. Everybody, hello and welcome. It is I, Ryan David, and you are listening to Nerd Cognito, as always, dropping on Tuesday at the podcast provider of your choice. Ah, oh, boy. We had a fun discussion last week at the end of the show when we started talking about what our own little session zeros blech, sounded like, or looked like, or felt like. And there were a couple of spinoff ideas from that that we said, you know, well, we're running out of time. We're going to have to table this thing until a future episode. Well, the future is now, my friends. (laughs) Uh, We are going to talk about the two particular items that came up when we were going through each of our session zeros. So who's the rest of us? Well, one-third of the rest of us is my good friend Kyle. Hey, Kyle. Hey, I thought the two things that came up were Coke and hookers. That Coke and hookers do come up not more, <laughs> often, more often than they should, I think. <laughs> but no, we, we have two other topics. Uh, Coke okay. and hookers are off the board, much to the chagrin of my other very close personal longtime friend. Hey, Bert. Uh, hey Ryan, what? <laughs> we're we're starting out great. Uh, any, yeah. Any gaming thoughts this week, generically, before we dig into what our two topics are? Which I guess we can let the cat out of the bag now, right? The two topics that we're going to talk about are dun 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 the dreaded backstory. That's right, backstory. Does it apply? Does it exist? Is it relevant? How does it look at our tables? And in counterbalance, does it apply? <laughs> How does it look? <laughs> you, you get the drill, right? There's, there's a whole spectrum of possibilities with both of those entries. And we're not just going to use it to bag on my favorite friends. I got, I got 95 pennies. No, 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 no. Although I'm sure there will be some bagging on them that's done, at least um, for my part. (laughs) Uh, But we're really going to talk about what role it has and how it should, if it should at all, appear in your games. Um, Bert, I think think it's going to be fun. I think you're the only one, because Kyle and I talked on The Speak this Saturday, which if you're not watching, you need to go to YouTube right now, unless you're driving or, you know, you're on the treadmill at the gym. Then do it right away, as soon as you can safely do it. Go to YouTube, uh, go to the Nerd Cognito channel, and give us a subscription there so that you can see the Saturday Speakeasy. It's a spectacular every Saturday at 5. Um Kyle and I talked this week how both of us, for varying reasons, had exactly Zippo as far as gaming. So we're going to live vicariously through you and your 55 gaming sessions that you had this week. That's right. What did did your gaming calendar look like? uh, I had three gaming sessions this week. One uh, 
one was board game group, one was an online group, and then the other one was my uh, Saturday campaign. Good, good, good. Uh, that that sounds fun. Uh, wh- what board game did you get to the table? We've been we've been uh, not given enough board game love lately. We played a game called My City, and we've actually been playing it over the last few weeks. It runs in like seven chapters, and you're like, uh, it's think of it as like a, a spatial relations test almost. You have like different shaped buildings, and you're trying to build cities to meet an objective to score points. Fair enough. I would lose. I would lose. <laughs> Kyle's out. <laughs> <laughs> I almost picked up a board game this week. It. it <sighs> the 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 political factor prevented me from doing it and no it's not wormspan um renegade games was having a big clearance sale and we talked about this game on the show before uh terror below uh it's effectively the tremors game oh cool um i almost picked it up and the price was almost right but it was still just a little too much for me to give Renegade, especially Renegade direct money. So uh, I, I pulled the reins in and did not grab it. It was one that was on my list to pick up and I just didn't get around to it. You know, And it's not like I'm opposed to giving Renegade my money all the time. But for something that's not like a must have, like my father's work, that was a must have for me. I paid up. Uh, now we're... We're about to start a game that I think you'd be really interested in, Ryan. Which one? Uh, we, since we finished My City, we're going to start running ISS Vanguard with that board game group next. Ah, uh, Dan picked that up, too, and he wants to start running it with me. And in my eminent free time in the future, <laughs> yeah, right, uh, I think that he and I are going to probably run it two-player. But uh, it's possible if there's uh, some night where we are getting together to go down the trog hole and one or two folks can't show up, and I, I'm like, I really don't want to go man down this week. We could, we could run it there too, um, but it's a commitment, right? It, it, it it's a it's big a longer commitment. game, yeah. So, uh, I've been uh, thinking about the successor to Greenhaven. I've been putting some work into that. It's coming along nicely. We also talked about this on the Speakeasy, Bert, but I'm going to share it with you. You know. I've been in such a happy place for the last three months. Right. This one's a little dark. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I did watch the speakeasy. I know that Kyle figured out my secret plan to find out about the trog hole. I'm for glad <laughs> I didn't talk about the trog hole. I was this close to talking about the trog hole, and I didn't talk about the trog hole. So um, that, that's good. You got you to gotta come into chat and let people know. I, you've got fans, Bert. <laughs> <laughs> why would I have fans? I'm I, like the I'm like the neutral voice here, and and our that's dear. That's why you have fans. Yeah, that's why you have fans, <laughs> and and our dear friend, the Elven Maiden, uh, even knows your diabolical twin brother, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I give Emmy some shit, but it's all in good spirit because uh, we all know that English was not her first language. So I'll give yeah, Brett and, the pass. <laughs> and we've all, and we've we've all misspelled a word in a chat, you know. Yep, sure. Sometime too, it transpose the letter, typo, Plus, whatever. Brett is great. I'm gonna start calling you Brett. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time you Ryan 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 me, I'm gonna Brett 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 you right back. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and you're gonna hear it a lot, I guess. Our first segment. We're just talking about, I was a lonely orphan. My parents were slaughtered outside of the theater in the round. I remember distinctly hearing the fire of the crossbow and watching my parents slump to the ground. That's when I found the cave behind the waterfall. And I became the vigilante that the world has never seen before. I'm a master medieval detective that has nothing to do with Batman. Yeah, the backstories. Backstories. I don't think it's any surprise. I'm not a fan of backstories. But I want to preface this with a clarification. I am not a fan of backstories as they are viewed by the general hobby today. So there, there's my qualifier. 
I think it's fine if your character has a background, but there is no need to have a backstory. Because when you introduce the story part, you are effectively metagaming your character and railroading. This is the true invisible railroad that I alluded to before. Illusion of choice is not an invisible railroad. A backstory that puts demands on what can and cannot happen to your character and what your character could or could not do in-game. That's the Invisible Railroad. And that's where I say, get yeah! fucked. My Ooh. perfect backstory, I said it last week, is a haiku. Five, seven, five, baby. That's all you get. That's all you need. Because your character's real backstory starts at level one. Nobody gives a shit about you when you are in the shit. Until you develop things through the game and the narrative at your table, rolling with the dice, making intelligent decisions, overcoming obstacles, and succumbing to some terrors, you don't have a backstory. So I am very much in the camp of what backstory. Ryan, talking about what characters can't can and can't do in the game, I think you're you're almost confusing backstory with like a character's like personality or morality. We've always had characters that wouldn't take part in a certain thing because of their morality. Like think of the old school paladin, you know, they're not going to, you know, torture somebody. They're not gonna lie if they can avoid it. They they have a moral code that they follow. And so there are certain things in the game that that character will not do, but there could be consequences for them not doing it. 20 years ago, I would have agreed with you that that's where I'm at, but that's not where I'm at. I'm at the Sparkle Troll on page 42 talks about how his character was held in a dungeon and tortured with venomous snakes, which forced his character to inherently build up a tolerance to poison. That's what I'm talking about. Kyle, does your character have a tolerance to poison? No. <laughs> Thanks for no, being I mean, so enthusiastic, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I just, I mean, no, I think, I mean, I hadn't really thought of it before. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of thinking about what you said. I think, yeah, there's a certain amount of truth to that, isn't there? In the, in the modern, like the state of current backstories, that's, that's like the thing, right? Right. And Every, I give birth to pass because how we used to play it, he was right on the money. Yeah, you know, the, the paladin won't do this. The sorcerer right. that has an alignment to X won't cross Y. That's perfectly fine. That's a character trait. Uh, go yeah. ahead, Kyle. I stepped on you. Sorry. No, no, it's, it's fine. It's just, but it, it's, it kind of, I don't Maybe they've watched too much Critical Role, right? Where it's like you start no. off the game, and the and the ranger already has a has a bear as a follower, <laughs> right? Oh, he's following him somewhere. <laughs> what? No, I'm no, not, I know not the, not the Baldur's Gate bear. You know what I'm? I mean, if you've ever watched Critical Role, especially the first season, then you know what I'm talking about, right? There's a character who you know they're starting off the game. Which, granted, supposedly the game happened before, but everybody's got this backstory. They have a damned intro to the show, right, where they reveal everybody's backstory. And, you know, the ranger already right out of the gate has a follower. That's a bear. <laughs> and a bear's a pretty powerful follower, Bert. That's, that's significant. Yeah, I agree. It's not, you know, it's not a cat, right? It's not a dog. Right. Yeah, it's you a freaking know. bear. It's not. A, it's not a canary, or you know, or I've got a goldfish. Or it's, even I've a got raven, a bear. Or, 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 yeah. or an owl, or something. No, I've you got have a bear that a can bear. That has three attacks every round. You know, bite, claw, claw, and does X damage, X damage, X damage. You that's know, because I mean, that's, all of our characters are Superman. Well, yeah, that's a lot of it too. That's a lot of it too. But yeah, you know, I I, I mentioned it before. Eh? your backstory should be able to fit in a single tweet. Yeah. For me, I do like, um, I, you're introducing me to your character at a dinner party. You've got like two minutes. What do I need to know about them? Elevator pitch I like, backstory. I love it. 
I like to limit the backstory because a lot of that stuff can come out during game. You can discover more about a character just from how they interact with the world based on the personality and the like morality that you gave them. Right. But it, it, here's, here's, here's the thing, Bert, when you, when you start doing, so, so I guess I would say one of two things. Number one, if you're running a very narrative game and let's say we're not doing Dungeons and Dragons, let's say okay. we're doing something similar to Vampire Fates. the Masquerade, the old original or fate, yeah. right? A real story game. Okay. Then maybe, maybe, depending on how it's constructed a back, a, a complicated and more uh, fleshed out backstory is appropriate. But for your typical fantasy Dungeons and Dragons game like this, what you're doing is you're placing constraints and demands upon the dungeon master. Well, it's to, all to, about telling yeah, the dungeon master that. what he can and can't do right along with your X card. It well, really and even even if you keep your backstory kind of kind of vague, there's still there's still constraints. You know, the, so now the DM feels this need to work that into the campaign somehow, and you just they've got enough pressure, they've got enough stuff going on trying to run the adventures and do all the other things and come up with these ideas, and now you're going to throw this on top of it. It's a very and, it's a very selfish sort yeah, of attitude to me. And I can agree with that in, in things like established campaigns or established modules for as somebody who's played in a lot of homebrewed campaigns and run a lot of campaigns that I've written myself for people backstories, give you an opportunity there too, because they're, you know, they're giving you things that you can use to sort of tailor the narrative as you're going, especially if you don't have the whole thing written out or you're putting it together week by week. And that's the number one argument that they're going to, no, no, you're just a shit DM. You, you can't take all of these great story beats that we've given you and weave them in. No, no, I can, and I will. But when your backstory has such a level of detail that it puts handcuffs on the dungeon master, I have a problem. And, right. and, and, and that's where it is. You know, sh sure, let's be, let's be cliche, right? You are Batman. Your parents were killed. You watched. You're out for vengeance, blah, 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 blah. Fine. That's it. But if you establish... A villain, if you establish training, if you establish skills, if you establish anything that would alter a die roll or give you a bonus or a penalty, you are overstepping the world of backstory. I don't want to know who the villain was that killed your parents because guess what? I am going to in game eliminate that villain and totally destroy your character's motivation so that you have to find a new one. You tell me that Jack Napier offed your mommy and daddy, the big bad dragon in one bite is going to cut him in half in front of you. And you now are a character without a compass. I'm just, maybe I'm mean. <laughs> yep. I, I would agree with you. I mean, uh, take the take the fallout campaign i'm running right now not to get into a lot of detail but you know the one guy is a is a vault dweller so he grew up in an enclosed environment and this is like his chance to learn about the world so he's curious but cautious and that's and that gives me something to work with i know where he came from i know basically his general personality traits did he give me you know the entire organization of his vault and all of the secrets no just something that I can work with as I put the story together. Yeah, but see, that's a simple backstory that that would fit with me. You could put that in a tweet in a, in a right. single tweet, right? Mm -hmm. I was a vault dweller, and this is my first experience with the outside world, and I'm cautious but curious. There you go. That's I mean, that's your backstory. What about and that works well? Yeah, I I would agree, and I would have zero issues with that. But if he handed you a novella, then then we've got bigger problems. So then another thing about, you know, you, you talk about the backstories and the mechanical benefits of getting, you know, well, you get an advantage on this die roll or, or a bonus to this or a minus to that, whatever. But the other thing could be, too, there's there's like um, intangible, uh, more intangible effects on a campaign. So so take the Batman example. Right. And he inherited his family fortune, which was over a billion dollars. So now you're, you know wealthy beyond anybody's wildest imagination 
And so money ceases to become an object. Um, so, so you're in the campaign and you're playing, it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to buy this, you know, whereas other characters might be like, well, I've only got $200 left. This guy's like, yeah, put it on the company card. It's fine. Right. And even if there's not a company card, it's inferring, Hey, uh, do you know who I am? I've got this money. I may not have it on me right now, but you're going to give me that thing, or you're going to have available these goods services. Um, you could also have the, the backstory that infers that you have followers, romantic interests, children, all of those things. I'm a very large believer yeah. that they need to come out at the table and romantic yeah. interest to the level that we talked about before. Right. Uh, yeah. Mr. Blue Vane's not coming out at the table, but we are going to create those moments those characters those relationships and those ties to the game world in the fucking game world <laughs> i almost like in um lengthy backstories as almost like role play by committee you know basically i've had dms who wanted everybody to turn in like a three to four page backstory for their character so that he could take all those backstories and use them to establish the world we were playing in uh, gives everybody some input. So if that's the kind of style that you have, that's one thing. But for a regular game, if you're running a module or if you have a clear world that you want to run, that kind of stuff just kind of muddies up the works. So let's take that idea a step further because I know you're not expecting this, but I can modify that and be totally okay with it. If you want to do that for world building purposes, Let's do it at the table. You get a piece. Your partner gets a piece. The person across from you gets a piece. I get a piece. And we just go around. Uh, Do you remember when we played the fantastic, fantastic city development game, A Quiet Year? Yes. That was community-driven city building that worked because it was built at the table. You want to throw in something that <laughs> consciously or subconsciously is going to give you that edge? Someone else is going to take it away or put so much venom and poison on it that it's going to be a moot point. So I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Kyle, I think you would like that game, Quiet Year. It, was, it, it's, it is definitely a story game. But it's a good story game. You start out with a blank map in the center of the table and a deck of event cards. And the tale that you tell based on those cards and your imagination creates a town effectively. And ultimately, it's a town that's going to be destroyed. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> there is there is a downside, right? It's it's post-apocalyptic, but you can use that same style to build backstories. And I'm absolutely OK with that because it's driven from the conversation at the table. Yeah, well, it's like I said, if it's, you know, story games are a different kind of animal. And I think maybe backstories fit into more like that. And that's essentially what you're talking about here is you're talking about a story based game. Story-based games are not my go-to, but I don't I don't hate them. There are some good ones. Yeah, no, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a story-based element on the front end in your session zero if that's how you want to tackle backstories. If if that's how you want to do it. If yes. that's how yeah. you want to do it. Do you think that backstories wasn't didn't really start so much with the current modern gaming idea and critical role? Do you think that maybe that goes back to Dragonlance? I absolutely think that Dragonlance was the birth of it, and it really came into its own on the infant internet in the 3.0 days, you know, in the message boards, where play-by-post became a reality. You know, you weren't mailing your submissions in. You were emailing or posting on a forum, and people had the medium to express their creativity. I'm not shitting on your creativity. That's great. But if you want to be creative that way, go write a fucking book. I think that a little bit of it came into play even with um, like second edition. Because 
you know, at, in second edition, adventurers were like outside the norm. Like you, you look at like they have things like there. A farmer makes this much gold, this much gold in a year. You know, they have outlines for like normal people. So being an adventurer, there was something that put you on the road, but it didn't have to be any great detail or any lengthy backstory. Like just being an adventurer was outside the norm. That's well, yeah, because being an adventurer is fucking crazy. Terrifying. <laughs> right? <laughs> Compared to being a farmer. I'm going underground with horrible things. And the possibility that I am going to die so that I don't earn whatever it is a farmer earns per year, you know, or for whatever motivation that I have to not be that farmer. But again, that backstory fits into my haiku as opposed to the multi-threaded post, which I think was the, the true catalyst of the modern uh, backstory and then it just blew up mm. When, mm. when when you know sparkle trolls and critters came a thing and now i, I mean we see it we, there there was a news article in the nerd cognito x feed last week people exclusively make characters that they know they are never going to play yeah. this is a masturbatory practice and and I don't know. It's not good. The only thing that happens when you have a practice like that is it creates a sticky situation. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that the, I think the backstories have gone from like character motiva- motivation to like autobiography and it, it makes things a little weird. Yeah. When you're at the table. Hand me an yeah. autobiography. Your character is going to be targeted and will not survive so that you have to create someone on the fly. Period. Yeah. That was the post that put Nerd Cognito on the map. That Ryan is cruel and horrible? Yes, we yeah. all know that, Ryan. <laughs> Continue. It's true. It's true. I was born a poor tiefling child. <laughs> uh, last thoughts before we tackle the news. Okay, no. then there we go. <laughs> okay, I had one, but fine. Oh, oh, oh all right, all right, all right, Bert. <laughs> I was quick on the draw. That's you what were? she said. <laughs> Ryan. But according to my backstory, anyway. I don't care. <laughs> oh, Ryan. That's a mouthful. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I think that the important thing to do is know your table. I mean, if you're people who want to you know, build a world like that, then take the opportunity to do it. But don't saddle your DM with 50 pages of backstory unless that's something that they're, you know, that they're willing to work with. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, you're not going to do it at my table. This is one of those things that I'm willing to let they thems have right now because there are bigger battles and and better reasons to expel them from the hobby than backstory. Gatekeeping is good. That's my final word on this one. (laughs) Um, Go ahead and write your freaking novel. It's easily remedied with an assassin in the night. Oh, boy. Got a a good amount of news this week, boys. What's in the news, Ryan? Well, going from intellectual masturbation in your backstory... To actual mm-hmm. masturbation with your video game, Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 3 fans are thirsting over the human version of Carlock. I think I said that right. I don't know. I didn't play the game. Carlock. K-A-R-L-A-C-H. That would be Carlock. Um, if, if I'm mispronouncing it, I don't give a fuck. Uh, uh, the Baldur's Gate community is down bad for some editing changes showing Carlock as a human. Since Baldur's Gate 3 released last year, Carlock has become one of the fan base's favorite characters, both for personality and looks. She's been the target of plenty of fan art, and players talk about their favorite things about her. Now fans are thirsting even more for her, as someone has shared an image of a human Carlock. To go further, we have to dig into Reddit's. (laughs) 
Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Now, I haven't played Baldur's Gate. Can somebody tell me who Carlock is? Uh, it's a chick no. in the game. <laughs> I no? Think, okay. I, nope. I, I haven't played it either, Bert, so I don't really know. But we're going into Reddit, so put on the hip waiters. So, yeah, I mean, well, she's a tiefling. Waiters, man. She's a tiefling in the game, right? So now they've humanized the tiefling because they got tired of rubbing it raw to the tiefling. So now they can rub it raw to uh-huh. the human version of it. I, so the poster explains, I saw an opinion that Carlock's face only looks good because she's a tiefling. And supposedly she wouldn't be attractive as a human. So I decided to use my Photoshop skills. You can't tell me this face isn't beautiful. It kept me up on warm, warm, and sensual evenings. I've called out her name, and then I realized I'm out of Vaseline. I may have editorialized yeah, that just a little bit. you made all that up, Ryan. Some of, the, some of that is <clears throat> not there. <laughs> it says more about you than the Reddit poster, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I would die for her and her 80s metal band, and die as in how Shakespeare meant to die. Okay, good. So you're, you're going to on your screen. Uh, anybody who thinks Carlock's unattractive is legitimately crazy person. Both her release appearance and her data mind appearance are absolutely gorgeous. I'm getting, worked, people? I'm getting worked up just talking about it right now. Can I say something to these people? They're not listening, as evidenced by our news from last week. <laughs> Can I say it anyway? Yeah, go ahead. She isn't real. Right. She doesn't exist. Right. It's not it's not real. <laughs> she still looks good, but she looks better as a tiefling. I want to get horny with those horns. I did not editorialize that one. These people are fucked up. And, and, and again, I'm going to call back to the speakeasy, which is why if you're not listening and joining us in the chat every Saturday at five, you need to, because we talked about the sexual decline and this isn't me being, you know, trying to get Bert's goat here. It's a legitimate thing from generation X declining into the millennials now into the zoomers who talk about it, but aren't all about it. I don't know. I don't know. This is brilliant. Any chance on an NSFW version of it? I really want that one for my personal collection. I did not editorialize that one. Now I can simp for her in more than one racial variant. (laughs) These are real things. I did not prepare these. I'm just scrolling through the 500 comments on this post that just struck me as particularly funny (laughs) the fact that they are openly admitting what's going on yeah she is flaming hot and now so am i i i I got nothing more on this one yeah i really don't know what to say to that i mean you know if that's what floats your boat Whatever. I, I have never masturbated to a video game. I will safely I, go on record. And I've jerked off to a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> Christ, Ryan, we don't need to know that. <laughs> never to a video game. Gosh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Adult games are nothing new, though. There have been adult games since the Atari days. Yeah, but this isn't an adult game. Right. Uh, if it were an adult game, fine. That's the design of the game. The purpose is to get guys off. This is not the design of the game, but it speaks to the culture that is playing that game and why we need exit signs lit above your wings and at the front and back of the plane. And if you if we had video, you could see that I did the the flight attendant yeah. thing too. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. I, I'll I'll vouch for that. He did. Uh, let me try to get a little happier. Uh, one of my biggest criticisms. Uh, moving to the next story. One of my biggest criticisms about what I think is 
a legitimately capitalistic but decent board game studio, we're talking about Cool Mini or not, come on, is that they use Kickstarter as a retail front end. Right. Right. You did mention that before. And they exclusively used Kickstarter as a retail front end. And people didn't like that. That's why we go to GameFound. That's why we go over here. That's why we go there. Come on announces they are leaving Kickstarter after a 12-year run to do pre-order business exclusively on GameFound. GameFound said if you can't beat them, join them. And they probably cut them a really good deal. So same model, new platform? Same model, new platform, probably more profits. The only upside to this is maybe it will bring price points down slightly. I don't know. Not likely, right? Uh, Prices never go back. I'm never going to get my $2.99 extra value meal. Ever. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah, they don't go down. Uh, or if they do, it's a sale or it's temporary. I would love to think that, that it's going to retract pricing just a little bit. Mm, I doubt it, but I doubt it. I do doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why would they? Uh, They were getting, they were getting it before. Right. (laughs) So the, their latest game is currently on game found. It's the song of ice and fire tactics, which is a miniature skirmish game. And it's pulled in 860K with delivery in February 2025. So same old wow. story. Um, good for them. Like, like, I don't fault them. Business is business. But I fault the crowdfunding platforms. But then again, is it really a fault? Uh, I wouldn't turn down the money either. It's a catch-22. Right. It really is. Yeah, I right. mean... I mean- they allow us to get things, allow things to get people made that they had the idea for things that we might love to see, but never would have happened otherwise. But, but that doesn't happen anymore, Bert, because these mega studios are there and they get all of the limelight now. Yeah. Right. Our buddy, William Dalebout, shout out to him, Crud Forge. We know that he ain't ever going to make the front page of a crowdfunder. And that's disappointing. Yeah. So yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And you can't blame them, right? So you know, let's let's say even if it's even if it's three percent, the kind of the the sheer number, the, the amount of money that they pull in on these kickstarters, you know, eight hundred and sixty k, three percent of that, right? Right over twenty five thousand dollars. Twenty five k. Twenty five thousand dollars. That's more than some people make in a year. <laughs> you know, it's it, like why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you take that deal? I mean, I don't I think they're 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 down as low as three percent, but I don't know. I don't no, know. But I'm I'm going very conservative on that, right? You know, it's you know, it's certainly they were never paying the thirty percent that everybody else is. We right. know that, but yeah, let's call it ten percent. That's almost a hundred k on that eight sixty, which will probably be a million when it's all said and done, and they don't have to deal with. Uh, credit card processing or any of that because that's all rolled into it. So, right. I, like I said, I'm I'm torn. Like the grassroots anarchist hobbyist in me is like, but then you know the capitalist takes over, and I'm like, I would take the same deal. I really would. Right. Yeah. You know, I am selling gatekeeping as good T-shirts. If I could sell more Sparkle Trolls Forever T-shirts. I might do it. <laughs> Maybe we should do it as, as a sarcastic gag, like make the most atrociously bad looking uh, rainbow alphabet sparkle troll characterization. Do you remember the original sparkle troll t-shirt that I never published that had those hideous people on them? Yes. Okay. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> oh man. Uh, let's pivot from board games to the video game world. Uh, we have interesting developments from two major hardware providers. I have been waiting for this one for a long time, but citing five different sources now, it looks like the Switch successor is going to launch Q1 2025. 
So a year from now, and yeah. and that's good. I'm I'm excited for that. Um, my switch was made off with by the prodigal daughter. I haven't seen it for quite some time and never wanted to replace it because even at that point in the development cycle of hardware, it was old. So uh, I don't know that I'm going to replace it anyhow, but you know, if I were to replace it with anything, uh, that would be what I would re- replace it with. It's going to be its successor. On the flip side of things... Sony has also made a public statement saying that the PS5 is, quote, entering the latter stage of its life cycle, which is interesting news because PS6 development is still a ways off. So if I were a betting man, I would say we're going to look at exactly what they did before and we're looking at like a PS5 Pro or something like that. They're one of those uh, companies that doesn't really seem to rest on their laurels much. No, and, you know, they finally were able to hit that equilibrium point where demand met supply. So it's time. It's time from a corporate perspective. Hmm. Kyle, if you had to pick one PS6 or whatever the switch to be is going to be, which would you have? If I could give you one right now. PS6. PS6, Bert. Uh, PS6. Oh, look, I'm the only one that, that, that wants to be portable. Hmm. Interesting. And like, I have other things to do when I'm out of the house. <laughs> well, like, like 98 gaming groups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Last but not least, Dungeons & Dragons television show gets its first positive update after the box office finality of honor among thieves what do i mean by box office finality we're finally admitting that honor among thieves was a failure and i think it's interesting because not only wizards and hasbro but the pop gaming media fought tooth and nail to destroy the conversation that this movie was not a success and now we're now that it's cooled <laughs> off, we're saying it's not a success. Uh, this came out and it was buried in the Hasbro stuff, but I pulled it out because I wasn't looking at the Hasbro stuff as all doom and gloom. I was looking for for little salient bits that actually impacted my world. Uh, the CEO of Hasbro is very confident in the future of the Dungeons and Dragons franchise on screen, specifically stating the Paramount Plus TV show. Despite the underperformance of Honor Among Thieves, continuing development of the TV show hints at a possible sequel. So there, they just gave it away. They are going to springboard this show into the next movie if the show is a success. If the show is a success. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're trying to do this stuff and, and get it out there as a as movies and TV shows and all this. So, so you have the Honor Among Thieves, which came out it wasn't as successful as they hoped. And, you know, I guess by, a, it was, it was essentially a failure. And then, uh, Manginello gets his, uh, Dragonlance project pulled. Right. 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 Yeah. So just, it's like, it, it seemed, I mean, it just seems kind of obvious to me that it's like, maybe you guys are focusing your attention in the wrong direction. Cause none of this, none of this crap's working. Well, just remember, they don't have an entertainment division anymore. Remember, they sold E1, well, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's, yeah we, that's true, too. We sold it, yeah. We're not going to be in that business for long. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Go ahead, Bert. You also have to remember, I mean, this is a partnership with Paramount, and that's been a Paramount model for years. Look at the Star Trek series, jumping from the small screen to the big screen. If you have a popular show, Paramount pushes it for a movie. Yeah, if if you have a popular show. I think Star Trek's an anomaly. I, I really do, because that's... They created that formula. I, I, I What other shows have we seen jump to a movie except for shows that needed finality because they ended on a ridiculous cliffhanger, like Deadwood? Like fu- or Firefly. Or Firefly. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, you know what ended on a fin- on uh, on a ridiculous cliffhanger, sort of 
that I loved the show and it needed a movie, but unfortunately, far too much time has passed. Not Firefly. Yeah, I know it's not Firefly, but I have no idea what it could be. Bert, do you have a guess? I, I was going to guess Firefly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you hints and we'll see if you can get it in three or less. HBO. Carnival. Yes. Yes. There you go, Kyle. Sometimes uh, I pay attention. It was so spectacular. Holy shit. My next one was going to be Clancy Brown. So if you didn't get it in two, uh, <laughs> uh, then there is no hope. But that, my friends, is the news for this week. Uh, fuck you and your D&D sh- show on your shit streaming platform. And your D&D yeah, show. And, uh, yeah, that's the thing, too, right? They, they got a streaming service, and still nobody knows about it. <laughs> I, I watched the D&D cartoon on their streaming channel, which is now on Pluto in the States. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you, you can watch the... You can watch the cartoons on YouTube, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, and until they pull them. <laughs> uh, I also watched about five minutes of two sparkly talking heads. Dear God, the rest that channel is doomed. The D and D cartoon <laughs> alone cannot save it. Right. right. I well, mean, I've got, uh, I've, I've got my own copies of the of the cartoon. I do as well. It's one of the few so pieces of physical media that I kept. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't either stream it. That box set with the uh, radio play for the wrap-up episode since yeah. they never finished the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I actually downloaded the uh, the fan-made final episode that you can you can find it on the internet. It's out there, and someone like went back and it's it's pretty good. They pieced for together. Uh, they pieced together. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it it works. It works, right? You know, and it's like you, you kind of get so you got the visual, so it's not just the radio. Now here's where Hasbro could be smart, guys. They teased the D and D cartoon characters in honor among thieves. Yeah. If they intro them in the show and do it authentically and with fidelity, paying attention to lore and paying attention to what has been established and throwing DEI out the window, because guess what? That group was already a pretty fucking diverse group, but there was no diversity. It really was. There was no diversity in the 80s. Uh, bullshit. Yeah, it was pretty diverse. There's no diversity in the 90s. Yeah, well, you should have seen some of my dates. They were diverse. <laughs> the The real issue, as you, as you talked about it, was you know, the fidelity to the lore and everything. They're not going to do that, no, right? They're not going to do that. It's, it's, I, I don't even think that it's something that they can even conceive of at this time. Very true. Very true. They, they, I don't even know if they know what fidelity means, Kyle. And, and that's true. sad. Yeah. There's a group of people that does know what fidelity is, and they are our checkmark hero. Yeah, we've got the eternal checkmark hero who we love, the Cinemander. Give him a follow at Cinemander, C-Y-N-N-A-M-A-N-D-E-R. And this week, the ultra-American TTRPGer. Uh, you can follow him on X at TT or excuse me, ultra T-T-R-P-G-E-R uh, on the X machine. Both of them know how important it is for the NerdCognito Twitter account at NerdCognito to have that blue check mark. It not only sets off rainbow-haired sparkle trolls like mad, like they still have an issue if you have a blue check mark, but it promotes our posts and puts us higher in the algorithm, and that is super important. The downside is the full jack deal is now 16 bucks a month, so we ask for your help. If you find this show and that X feed valuable, consider ponying up. As little as $2 will get you a mention on the show, or you can go all in like the big boy sin and go all the way up to $16. Go to nerdcognito.com. Click on be a checkmark hero at the top of the show, and pick the level that you can support. We sincerely appreciate it. Not only do you get the mentions, not only do you get our humble thanks, but you get to hear me sing. Check I mean, that's great. It's great. It makes me smile every week. Um, wrapping up the show this week, we touched on this a little bit 
and I think it's going to be a relatively short discussion because I am reasonably certain that Kyle and I are in the exact same camp. And I know that Bert at least tiptoes into our section of camp every once in a while with this. But we are going to talk about something that came out again in our session zeros. Um, and that is encounter balance. Is it important? How important is it? Does it play a role in your game? Who wants to jump into the pool on this one first? I'll go. Go. I mean, for me, it, it depends on the story that we're trying to tell in the game. I've done encounter balancing, but it was mainly narrative. You know, if you're going on a, a massive adventure to uh, go up against a, you know, uh, an evil ruler or something like that, you're going to start with their frontline troops and sort of work your way through the ranks. And so that provides sort of a natural balance on its own. Most of the time, though, if you're in a um, like a world exploration or, you know, a world building type of campaign, party's going to run into things that they're not ready to handle and they have to know that running away is an option. I'm not even going to limit it to running. There should always, always be present in the player's mind non-combat alternatives. Kyle? True. Yeah, I generally, I mean, I, like you said, Ryan, I think we both know where, where, where we're going to fall on this. You got to remember, I'm an old school guy, right? I, I, I haven't played third edition. I haven't played fourth. I haven't played fifth. And I don't play a lot of modern games. Uh, everything's two year before. And it was mostly one year before. Challenge ratings weren't even a thing. There was no, there was, there right? was no balance. <laughs> it There was no balance in the game. The closest thing you had was a monster's hit dice. And you could kind of maybe calculate, compare that to levels if you wanted to do that sort of thing. But it was just, it was just always a given that it was, it was just, it was kind of like the real world where sometimes you get into shit that's over your head. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Sometimes you turn left into the cave and you're staring at a blue dragon. Right. And you're level three. Yeah. And you better hope he didn't see you that he's willing to talk or that you can run fast. Yeah. You just get the hell out of there. Right. Yeah. I mean, we used to do it all the time. It's like, okay, we're, we're outmatched. You know, it's the, the old aliens quote that I throw out sometimes Hicks, we are leaving. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know? But it's very apt. And, and people who takes away your phone. You, you, you no, every encounter no. should not be solvable. And guess what? You find that blue dragon and you stealth your ass out of there. And now, you know, that's where he is. So as you progress, as you develop, or as things in the world dictate the need, you have an advantage. You can go back and do what you need to do with that dragon. And, and please don't do what the fifth edition people are doing to that dragon. They're putting a human <laughs> face on it. And, you know, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Lotion sales, Kyle. I need to invest yeah. in lotion companies. Unilever. That's what I'm yeah. looking up first thing Monday morning. Everybody's everybody's become a horny bard in real life, apparently. I guess, but um, mm -mm. Now, now, how is that not fun, though? That's what I don't get. Is people are well, it's no fun because how it's a power fantasy, Kyle. How is that not fun? That can that can be so much fun. Just like the you're, backstories. It's a power fantasy. It's ego. You cannot so, fail. You're so limited in your perspective if you can't see the potential for fun out of that. I agree. There ain't shit that's off the board in my games. Bert will tell you the last time we went down the trog hole, there was uh We'll call them an eldritch undead group of monsters. They were stiff. Stiff is is that gener generous enough term, Bert? Um, uh, yeah. No, I mean it was it was a difficult encounter at best. Had I been playing it, I would have headed for the hills. Now the party chose to see it out. And they barely made it. <laughs> um, 
Well, you will die here, fools. But I wasn't pulling any punches. Bert, you were down to single digits. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, a couple people fell down a couple of times. Nobody perished, but there was no divine intervention on that. It was the fortune of the of the dice. And there were a couple of times where I failed on my attack rolls as those monsters where it would have had drastically different results. Them's the breaks, kids. That's the fun of the game. I don't know. I don't balance. Now, I do take into consideration what I'm throwing at a party and when. So I look at it as, is this easy, medium, hard, or an encounter that is not designed for combat? But that is just for my reference point. None of that applies to whether or not it makes it into the game. And I don't right. think it's a killer DM thing. I think it's a fun game thing. Sometimes you got to live to fight another day. Right. And I've played in campaigns where, you know, there there was like a rivalry element. So it, things were a little more sort of naturally balanced because the your opponent or the villain that you were opposing didn't have the resources that they would have later, like they were growing along with the party. And that's a, I think that's a different kind of campaign. It has almost a natural balance to it because that villain, as you're increasing in power, so is, so are they, they're right. getting more henchmen, more resources. But as a general rule, you don't like, you don't make the world. And, and that's another thing too, is there's some balance to like, if a place is full of high level monsters, it's less likely that, people are going to live there. So that starting town is probably not going to have a dragon nearby, <laughs> but one could show up. Or it could be extorting the town, and they just pay the price. That's true, too. I'll give yeah. you an example, and I think this comes out in my design philosophy, too. This is directly from Greenhaven. Random anywhere monsters table. On that table is a goblin. Goblin. That's it. A goblin. Also on that table is an aboleth. <laughs> Woof. Same that table. Quickly. <laughs> just, just one aboleth, though, Bert. Just one. Just, just one? Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Just one aboleth. But if you are somewhere that inspired that die roll, Either of those could be a possibility, and there is no reason for you not to use it because your group has options. <sighs> I guess yeah. that's that's sort of my final word on it. Uh, I, I don't think that, A, either one could not be creatively used, and I think that in most cases, unless you are dealing with a significantly powerful party, both of those roles are probably a non-combat solution. Single goblin or an aboleth. <laughs> I mean, you know, unless you are murder hobos, five of you, one goblin, the goblin is smart enough to live another day. You should be yeah, too. But yeah, but my but my backstory, my parents were killed by goblins and I hate them and I'll and I'll, I'll fight them on sight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's remind people to do the things. I already talked about the Nerd Cognito YouTube channel. Again, at Nerd Cognito on YouTube. Give a follow, like the world, and tell your friends. And most importantly, come visit us every Saturday at five PM. Bring a drink. And that's all the preparation you need, because that's all the preparation we've got, too. There's no script, no agenda, and no filter. Saturday Speakeasies, 5 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. Also, make sure that you are subscribed at the podcast provider of your choice. You are listening to this on a podcast provider right now. Ensure that you are subscribed so that this and every other new episode downloads seamlessly to your device every Tuesday when the episodes drop. 
Uh, follow the Nerd Cognito Twitter account at Nerd Cognito. You can follow Kyle at Dying Breed TT. You can follow me at I Hate Ryan David. Can't follow Bert because he is in the woods running from the Abolith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, from me, by Greenhaven, uh, POD is either going to be on or is on as you hear this show. So those of you that have been lighting me up about, I want to hold it in my hands. We're not talking about the Baldur's Gate <laughs> three people. You can now get Green Haven six ninety nine exclusive to drive through RPG. That's it, gentlemen. It's time to say goodbye for yet another week. We want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Remember. Don't go down the Reddit hole. The trog hole is much, much better. My name is Ryan David. I was joined by Bert and Kyle, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Ain't no hole like a trog hole, because when the trog hole drops, the party don't stop.